0: Hello, everybody. This is Safi back with you. um, Thoughts of an Unstable Mind. I think we've managed to make it to episode six. Um, I'll have Piper. Piper, um, go ahead. Tell them the topic today.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Today, we're going to be talking about love your kids to life.
0: It's going to be a good one. Good one. But before I start, I have to say the disclaimer. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but I'll tell you what I believe. So please don't ask me if you're fat and please don't ask me if your baby is cute. Having said that, love your kids to lie. I like that. But where does it start? It actually starts with the couple, with, with the, the two parents, future parents. They're going to become a mom and a dad. And how does it start to um, establish a foundation for the child to be successful? Well, it starts with the parents being on the same page. and what do I mean by that? Fundamental core values. Well, what are fundamental core values? Well, when I have young people talk to me about relationships, I always say, "You want to make sure you're fundamentally aligned with your significant other and some of the topics to kind of give you an idea. Religion. Um, Make sure your religion's aligned. Why? How are the kids going to go? What direction are the kids going to go? If there even is a direction, there is no right or wrong answer, but you two want to be somewhat aligned. Think of it as a core value is something that I will not budge on, that I can't. This is something that I hold so strong to my heart That I won't budge. It's not like I like vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream. It's religion. It's finances. Um, Now a new one, obviously, is it's politics, even politics. Um, Any other fundamental core values, Piper, you can think of?
1: No, I I think those are the big three.
0: Children. I mean, how many children are we going to have? have? How are we going to raise them? Um, Time versus money. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So once you establish that, I think you're now setting a foundation between you two to have a strong direction for the child to go into. So there's a lack of confusion. And I'm going to kind of glaze over this real quick. Uh, I, I've been helping a friend of mine. She's um, divorced, and they they basically divorced because they were not aligned um and now they have a child 17 years of age and throughout the child's life it's always been one message at one house and a different message at another house and through this has caused a lot of confusion for the child why how do they know who's right how do they know who's wrong they don't but in general the child is going to take the path of least resistance even if it doesn't benefit them for their future they will take it so if you're getting Reinforced with one parent to not worry about school, and then you got another parent to say you should be worrying about school, you can see how that can be problematic. So once we establish those core values, now the path to love your kids to life has been established. So um, now let's go into the good stuff. Um how does it how what's the most important thing? I believe confidence and self-respect. Because an individual without self-respect, how do you expect them to respect anything else? Parents, siblings, friends, work, responsibilities, toys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm gonna have Piper um discuss this because I know you you were raised in some small little hoodunk town in Clinton, Mississippi, right?
1: Yeah, you know, growing up in a small town, you know, one of the Um, sayings I always heard was, I love you to death. I love you to death. And and what was meant by that saying was, I'll do anything to, to make sure that you're okay. And I think as I got older, as we've developed, you know, our thought processes in raising children, being confronted with that, you know, I thought about that. And I say that to people, oh my gosh, I love you to death. And what I realized is that I really, it's that emotion of wanting to love somebody to death put me in a position to almost want to smother my children with so much
0: love. Well, hold on, Piper. Let's first, would you say that's how you were raised, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Lots of love, you know, in small communities, small towns, um, typically religion, going to church is a big deal. There's a lot of message of love. And that love comes, I, I, I don't want to say it comes at a cost. It was, it was just given freely, but at the same time, it wasn't always what I needed in that moment. Can you can you give us an example? I like needed, what have you
0: learned from then? I needed then, more
1: structure.
0: Structure. Okay. So what you've learned from then, what would you change then if you could? And now you're here. Um give well, us an I example. Mean,
1: that's another that's another state in a small town. Go ahead. If I knew then what I know now, I would have done something different.
0: Give me an example.
1: Um, you know, come ha, as a parent having a child, um, All I wanted to do was love and hug them, protect their environment around them, make sure that they weren't exposed to anything negative. I took on that responsibility for making sure that emotionally they were always feeling loved. But what I failed to recognize is that it was my job to make sure that in real life they're able to handle real life situations. Maybe every situation the emotion that's needed is not love. Maybe the emotion that's needed or the action that's needed is different um, than just saying, hey, I love you. It's doing something that teaches them to handle that situation. And I know that's kind of a confusing, like, hey, I love you. I'm going to just give you the popsicle, right? Oh, I love you. I'm so sorry that, that you um, hurt yourself. Let me help you. Let me hold you. Let me make this better. And now I've realized that in those moments or teaching moments that allow you to build a child's confidence, build their self-esteem by what you do in that moment versus just having an emotion of I want to love you. Let me love you to death. Right. I want to give you a skill.
0: You know, it's interesting Pepe, that you talk about that because you were raised in one extreme of a lot of love and I was raised in a completely different extreme uh, I don't even know how would you say it, I You probably use it best. What word? How would you say I was raised as a child? I don't want to go too aggressive here now.
1: It was definitely about just the keeping you alive.
0: Pretty much. So we've
1: done well. I've ta-
0: we've taken two different extremes, <laughs> uh, and I think we've both collaborated and kind of meshed this this foundation for our children, where there's there's the love, but there's also the the foundation for them to be able to take on challenges and, and um, be able to, I guess the best way to say it is when they get pushed, they will not fall. They might stumble backwards, but they will be able to still continue to prevail. And I'm going to give you a quick story. Remember this past weekend, Piper, um, Sully, a nine-year-old, my son, oldest one, was outside scootering. And I was just kind of, Sitting out there, kind of watching them, because we live in in a nice, quiet neighborhood. And Piper feels as if it's like a highway, and somebody's going to hit them. But that's a different story. So as I was sitting out there watching them um, scooter back and forth, um, Sully apparently let go of his scooter, and it hit a vehicle. And he rushed over, worrisome, scared, nervous. And um, I said, "Sully, are you okay?" He said, "Yes, Dad. My scooter just hit the this car." I was like, "Okay, well." we need to go talk to the person that you hit the car. He's like, he's and he was very hysterical and nervous. I said, Sully, did anybody die? He said, no. I said, are you injured? No. Did you injure anybody else? He said, no. I said, so what's the problem? You made a mistake. Now what we need to do is confront the mistake. So I got Piper and we went and discussed it and um, I'll let you continue Piper because well, let me go back. uh, Why did I do this? First, let me say why. Because what would, in general, a lot of people say, Piper, in your opinion, if this occurred and nobody witnessed it occurring?
1: I think some people would just you know try to look at the car and if it didn't seem like it was too bad, they would just move on. There okay. was certainly nobody there. So
0: what we're now doing is we're setting a foundation for a child. When you make a mistake, it's okay to flee it and not worry about the situation, to where when something dramatic happens, they crumble. No, it's, it's, it's too.
1: Well, but I think the other, the other part of that is for me, are you as the parent to then go handle and confront that, that issue ourselves, protecting our child from that feeling of, of being anxious and upset and the tears say, Hey, you go inside the house and relax and mom will go handle this situation. I mean, because a lot of parents want to do the right thing and you don't want somebody's car to be damaged. So I'm not suggesting everybody would just walk away. But my, my point is, when you look at it, you're going to have to make a decision.
0: Absolutely. And, and the goal is, it's, it's to establish the child at such a young age that knowingly made a mistake to confront the mistake. So as they grow up and become adults, because these mistakes, as we know, as adults are going to continue. And it's confronting it and not fleeing and hiding behind it, which then what happens? Confidence goes down. We get nervous. Um, children can't cope. Coping skills are, are gone.
1: Well, and I believe now, knowing what I know now and recognizing that, I believe that building the self-esteem, the confidence is what allows you to take a risk. Absolutely. Now, we're not talking about crazy risk. We're talking about reasonable risk.
0: Well, Piper. Does life
1: have reasonable risk?
0: Let me, let me give people an analogy with this. You know, when you have a house and you build a house and you build the foundation, it's, it's supported with concrete and rebar. And what makes concrete strong is having rebar in there. A typical foundation that doesn't challenge children has just the concrete. And what happens is over time, it can crumble because it's not strong. But when you establish a concrete filled with rebar and allowing these kids to embrace, yes, embrace their faults, embrace their mistakes, it becomes far more challenging to disrupt this foundation. And as we develop and shove that rebar all in there, not even a hurricane can push this house down. And it all starts with the foundation. And I'm um, kind of explained, Piper, because I had you go over there and and discuss um the the issues with with Sully to confront this issue because I wanted to make it a little bit more what's a good word. If I was there because this was a learning experience, I wanted to feel like there was a more of a softer side with the mother, but it's still a learning experience. Go ahead, Piper.
1: Well I have to say, I mean it was it made me a little nervous to have to go tell somebody because I was raised in a very loving environment and we worried about what people's reactions might be. Uh, But I knew, you know, everything's fixable in this situation with money because nobody was hurt. Nobody died.
0: Also insurance.
1: Yeah. And insurance. So I walked with Sully and it took us a while to get over there. And when I finally got the worker from the backyard and came and it was his truck and, and he came out, I couldn't find Sully. I was looking around. I'm like, where's my child? I'm standing here by myself. Trying to explain it. So the first thing, you know, of course, this was this was just such a nice guy, and and his first question to me was, "Is your child okay?" And I thought, wow, what a nice what a nice guy. See, that was a totally different reaction than what my I was expecting Mm -hmm. or my child was expecting, and pleasantly surprised, surprising. So I explained him what happened, and then I said, you know, it's really important for my son. I know he's not here right now, but I'm going to get him if you'll just wait a minute. I want him to be able to tell you what happened. That's why I'm here. But I feel like it's an important moment for him, so he waited for me. I went and found Sully hiding behind a bush, and he came out and I said, "You you need to let him know you're sorry that this happened." And he looked the man in the eye and said, "I'm I'm really sorry I hurt your truck." And the guy said, "Are you okay?" And and that was the, and then Sully said. Yes, I'm fine, but I'm worried about your truck. You know, so this exchange, though it seems easier for us all to have gone back inside or me just to deal with it because it would have only taken me five minutes instead of the 20 minutes it took for me to get my son calmed down enough to, to go over there and confront the situation, the, the outcome was much different than what my son was expecting and the and the lesson of recognizing that people... You can be I don't like the word good. Piper. I'm
0: going to interrupt. It's not even a lesson because I don't see it as a lesson. It's an experience. It's a real life experience. And just so that everybody knows, actually, I don't believe anything transpired from this after they exchanged. My, my wife gave them the number, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, when Sully came back inside, I hugged him, I kissed him, and I said, I'm very proud of you. You did what most struggle to do. You confronted a situation where you are at fault and you owned up to it and went to the individual. And how much, how much better do you feel? And he said, daddy, it felt great. And I gave him dabs and I reinforced him. I said, you see, Sully, always ask yourself, nobody died. Nobody got injured. Just go. Obviously there's times in life it's going to be more challenging, right? But at this moment, Piper and I set a foundation where he is highly capable of confronting issues now. And it builds confidence. He gained confidence in that experience that made him so uncomfortable to where he was crying, freaking out. So that's kind of where I think we have to give our children these experiences.
1: When I think that's the difference in loving your kids to death Yes, and loving your kids to life—that's the difference for me—is being able to say in this moment, yes, it seems intense, right? Like it's so much easier just to have them on a computer; they're not bothering you on a Saturday; they're not—nothing's happening. But life is full of these reasonable risks. It was reasonable to be outside riding our scooters, getting some good exercise, burning off the pancakes we ate that morning, um, and to have a teachable moment takes a lot of effort, it does a lot of time. But for me, before. It wasn't because I didn't want to teach it. I didn't know I needed to teach it. I felt like I could replace it with love and protection and, got, and, and covering my child from that, shielding them. And in that, they were losing their ability to develop their confidence.
0: You know, it's, it's really hard because when you love your kids to life like this, you're actually loving them so much to where you're giving them life experiences real life experiences at such a young age and you know it kind of kind of takes me into another avenue where uh, it, for me as a child you know if if I if my parents told me to do something and it was always never there was no explanation do as I say not as I do it, it was very challenging for me um, so through that extreme it was very hard for me to comprehend because I didn't understand why and you know as a child. You know, I get popped in the back of my head or something because I ran across the street. And I said, why did I get hit? I said, Because you ran across the street. I was like, well, what's wrong with that? I never got an explanation because I said so. But I've also learned with my children is I give them explanations. I explain to them. And I think I'm going to go into my favorite rocking chair, Piper. You know where I'm going to go with this. And I'm trying to give people the insight and actually treat your children respectfully by actually giving them explanations. Because I think it satisfies not only their curiosity, but when it makes logical sense, it's kind of hard to rebuttal. So here's an example. Here we go. I'm going to use Piper as the the parent or the child. I'm going to use you as the child, and we're going to play, you know, role play. Okay, Piper, you're a child, and you are rocking on a chair in a restaurant. Typically, Piper, what would a parent tell that child to do? Piper? I would, what I would probably say to Piper, she's rocking, stop rocking on the chair. And then what would the, what would the child say? Piper, what would you respond back to me?
1: It's fun. I love rocking on the chair. And then
0: I would scream, stop rocking the chair because I said so. Do it now. Child stops. Okay. Now what's the problem here? Well, the kid doesn't understand why. So here, this is my approach. Yes, it takes longer. Yes, it's a, a process. So I would be like, Piper, what are you doing right now?
1: Rocking in the chair.
0: Okay. What do you think would happen if the bottom of those two legs that are on the ground slipped from underneath you?
1: I would, oh, I would fall.
0: Well, what do you think would happen if your head hit the corner of that countertop right there?
1: You'd probably have to take me to the emergency room.
0: So I would have to probably take you to the doctor's office, right?
1: Right.
0: Do you think it's a good idea to continue rocking on the chair?
1: No. No.
0: So what I've learned, th- th- this was a moment I learned years ago with my son at the age of three, and I saw him doing this, and I did the previous approach, and it continued to happen. And I said to myself, I'm only doing what I was taught, and I was never satisfied, never. And I did this approach, and, and uh, yes, sometimes they do forget because they just, we have a habit, but all I have to say to either of my sons, the moment they rock on the chair, is sully or sale what are you doing and then the rocking stops because i satisfied a legitimate answer as to why it's not a good choice but why don't we do that well we weren't taught that approach we weren't taught it it takes a lot more time i mean you know when when i'm having a conversation with somebody and my goal is to present a question for them to answer to get the insight because when we make statements. Well, and I
1: think to engage them.
0: Absolutely. When so you have
1: to answer a question, then you become engaged. So for instance, if you say, uh, hey, Safi, two plus two is four. Exactly. But then if I change that I said, what's four minus one?
0: Um, Three, there's a delay.
1: I have to get that response from you. So there's an engagement that I see that our children are able to have versus saying, stop. We're able to just ask that question, what are you doing? And they go, Oh, and I think and then they stop.
0: I think a good way of saying it is too, is what I've learned is when we make a statement, we are more likely to be defensive on our toes. Or ignore it. Or ignore it in one year did. But when I ask a question, it forces a person to engage. And if the goal is to give a person insight so they stop rocking on the chair and me screaming at you has not solved the problem, what do you got to lose to try a different approach? And uh, you know it's 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 just fascinating to me. But listen, I wasn't taught this. Piper wasn't taught this. I always jokingly say she was raised in Mary Poppins lands, and I was raised in um. How would you say it? Piper? The opposite
1: of Mary Poppins.
0: Opposite. That's a fair statement. Let's not go there right now, Piper. Opposite of Mary Poppins land. And we're we're finding this balance. And I do believe when you establish when the parents share fundamental core values from the beginning, right in the beginning, when you share those fundamental core values. And then you establish this with your children and set them up um, with with these um, set them up with that that strong foundation. Their confidence goes up. They have better, higher level of self-respect for themselves, which means higher self-esteem, which means they can they can actually take more Challenging things and challenging situations. Why?
1: And cope with
0: it. And cope with it. That's that perfect. You're right. Because we're children and adults nowadays, we lack coping skills. We really do. You can do all the research. Why? Because we don't have a foundation. We don't know what we're doing. And we were taught, in my opinion, a well, I mean, I think ahead. if
1: your foundation is just love which is great. I mean, I, I, that's part that, that to me is part of it.
0: Absolutely. You got to love if it's your kids. Just
1: love. And that love isn't felt or doesn't come through in that interaction your child has. And that's the only bit they have for their foundation. You've crumbled the foundation with just one unloving act, one piece of that foundation that everything, all the cards were stacked on falls, allows it to fall. But if you give your children lots of tools in their foundation, confidence, self-esteem, the ability to cope, love. I mean, that's just part of building this broader foundation that we talk about that gives them the ability to continue standing, even in the absence of one of those specific
0: situations. Now I want to go somewhere. In the beginning, I discussed to you when the the fundamental foundations, fundamental core values, excuse me, aren't aligned and parents typically will part ways. And then the kid is through this whole confusion, correct? Now, if the parents have established these core values, and let's just hypothetically say they part ways, well, the kids are still getting the same information, the same expectations with the parents.
1: Well, and Sophie, I think, too, you know, one of the things that happens it, or has been my experience in divorce uh, parents, it, I didn't have divor- divorced parents, but I have friends that have gotten divorced. I did.
0: I have divorced parents
1: you know, is I feel like just because their fundamental core values did not align is why that marriage ended. But it it usually goes into all these um, this emotional turmoil about he did me wrong, she did me wrong versus, hey, we just did not see eye to eye. And I think it's fine for there to be one set of core values in one household, one set of core values in the other household, whatever those are, the child can then choose which set of core values that they want but that takes a i mean and I, it's I, very and difficult I, for a child take, to do that very but, difficult. but that would take a very uh confident adult that has an open dialogue with their child to say well, your your dad has this set of values and I have this but, set know, of values. I, and be able to present that in a non-emotional way because it, you may not agree. I, and the reason you didn't agree with the core values led to the divorce.
0: I find it interesting how you know when you get these divorced parents, they actually and bell curve, just from my experience on what I see. Again, my experience, what I see, they lose sight and forget about the children. And it's 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 sad. It saddens me. It breaks my heart. Um and these kids are just confused, and they rightfully should be. And, and this is gonna kind of lead me into one of my um my sayings because I'm kind of reaching the end of this this um podcast. And I want y'all to think about something. Your perception and everything you see in this world is solely based on your own experiences. Who are you to be arrogant to believe other people share those exact same experiences. They don't. They really don't. And I think if you can take that in heart and really realize the way you see it, this might be completely different than someone else. But it doesn't mean you can't have a dialogue, show tolerance, and just say, oh, I never thought of that. It's not right or wrong. It isn't. It's what works for you and contributing to society in a positive way and raising a family if that's what you choose to do in a way where you're not a burden on others and our society. Um, Piper, I'm going to wrap it up. Anything you want to say?
1: No, I, I mean, I think the the main goal here is is engaging, you know, engagement and confidence and teaching moments and opportunity. It's taking all of that and really giving your kids The skills or changing your perception to give your kids the skills to be able to succeed in real life.
0: Yes. In order to change the past, you have to progress in a different direction. And I
1: always say if if you know better, you can do better, but you have to know better. And sometimes that means being open to new ideas and, and trying something different. If what you're doing is not working, stop doing it.
0: Exactly. All right. Well, this is Safi with um, Thoughts of an Unstable Mind. Hopefully, um, you guys enjoyed this episode six. We'll we'll talk to you later on episode seven. All right. Y'all have a good one. Bye.